It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We are still waiting at the time of this recording for updates on AJ Green's ankle, foot, whatever the injury is. We at this point know it's an ankle sprain. We'll get into that a little bit today, as well as other updates from the first day of training camp in Dayton. The second segment, Joe will be at work, but I will record by myself a little update on today's training camp, and then we'll wrap up with the countdown to kickoff series we have some catching up to do before we get into all that here's your quick reminder to go find the podcast on the himalaya podcast app itunes spotify google Podcasts, whatever you li- use to listen to your podcast go find locked on bengals joe let's start with the aj green update since we recorded yesterday we've learned that it is in fact an ankle sprain at least that's the initial report Uncertain as to whether or not it's a high or low ankle sprain, which are totally different mechanisms of injury. If you're interested in learning what distinguishes those injuries from one another, I tweeted out a link to the best explanation I could find. But Elise Jesse, who is an Emmy-winning sports anchor for WLWT in Cincinnati, reported that it is a low ankle sprain. We don't know the severity. He's going in for an MRI sometime today. We hope that we can update before we go to publish this podcast. Yeah, because that'll that'll determine the range of outcomes here. Because a low ankle sprain of a grade one could be two weeks, and he could be back ready to roll and, and at least practice some. Uh, and I'm sure they'd hold him out as long as possible to week one. We're probably shooting for week one now, regardless of the severity. But if it's like a grade two or grade three, then it's four weeks, maybe six weeks. And we have some time until week one, but I think... You know, obviously for everyone, the hope and the goal now is, okay, just bubble wrap him until week one. Yeah, and there is some speculation from some of the various doctors, you know, like the football doc Twitter accounts kind of things out there. Yeah. Uh, because there is a video that's been circulated, that one fan video that exists has been slowed down and zoomed in. But the moment of impact, the moment of the injury, there's a player standing in front of it. So anything is, is highly speculative, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. there is at least one doctor who says that it looks like a high ankle sprain mechanism of injury. I don't know how he can conclude that because you can't right. actually see where the impact happens. But there is that possibility still out there. So we really need to wait and see. If anything, you see the way us. he pulls away, right? Like you don't see the impact. You see the way he kind of like pulls away from it. That's all you can really see. And, right. and, and you can pull away Patrick, like that from right? either kind of ankle sprain. He doesn't want to put weight on the foot, but when I when I've sprained my ankle, I don't want to put weight on my foot either. Right. I, I immediately will actually go to the ground and roll to right. 
to not take another step on my foot, but AJ stays right. on his feet. He does. He actually takes a, a couple like gimpy steps to slow down. Yeah, Straker Patrick, you see it's a deep ball the, along the right sideline because I don't think we had this uh, video yesterday when we when we did this. But uh, Kirkpatrick goes up, he knocks the ball away, comes down on his shoulder, which he ended up needing ice and a wrap for for that shoulder. And it looks like appears not. Yeah, obviously this is a this is a cell phone video from, and they were about 100 yards out. It looked like, but uh. You know, fans were. It looks like that shoulder comes down on that left ankle of AJ Green. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like, and that could be the kind of opposite mechanism of a low ankle sprain that you're used to. Usually, you you roll um, on the inside part of your foot. It could have pushed his ankle in, which would mm-hmm. be kind of the opposite of of what a normal ankle sprain feels like. Or it could have been that that high ankle sprain mechanism where the the foot kind of twists instead of rolls. And, and that's what leads to the injury, which is actually above the ankle joint for the right. high ankle sprain. It, it has to do with the, the ligament that holds together the tibia, um, tibia and the fibula. Yeah. yeah. The And I uh, did a quick search to look for low ankle sprains fantasy football wise because, you know, those guys keep track of, of injuries. And it, it, it doesn't get reported as low ankle sprain very often. And in fact, I was looking back just to see some examples. And Roddy White dealt with it a bunch in 2013. I think he, he had kept injuring it, missed two weeks, played a couple weeks, injured it again. Um, even I, the, even one of the names that popped up was Aaron Hernandez from 2013, I want to say. And he missed six weeks with a low ankle sprain. Hmm. So that's probably the the worst case outcome. If it is indeed a low ankle sprain, it tends to be a two to six week recovery. If it's a high ankle sprain, it tends to be six to uh, what? No, four to ten weeks, depending on the severity. Right. And it sounds like the high ankle sprain is worse based on um, how people have recovered and felt. And I think a lot. I think almost every person has sprained their ankle at some point, right? Uh, if you play sports that involve, if you play basketball, if you play. Football at any point in your life, you play volleyball, you probably sprained your ankle. Yeah, it's not fun. No, it hurts a lot. The good news is there are braces for low ankle sprains that are very good at preventing the injury in the future. So if AJ Green starts to wear ankle braces for the rest of his career, it doesn't limit your mobility, but they're very good at preventing the injury from recurring. I've Providing actually stability never, or something? Yeah, they, they provide stability that your ligament doesn't. If your ankle starts to turn, it will stop the ankle from turning. And I've hmm. never actually sprained my ankle while wearing an ankle brace in my life. And I've sprained my left ankle at least 30 times in my life. Oh, really? That's a lot of sprains. I mean, you do it once. And I saw a sports medicine doctor about this. And, and maybe somebody out there listening will correct me on my interpretation. But from what I recall, he said, essentially, the ligament never really healed for me. So every time I turn it at this point, there's not much left there to tear. So mm. what I feel is my bones jostling around because there's hundreds of little bones in your ankle and in the top of your foot, and that hurts, but there's nothing to tear or rupture at this point. So I, I usually am okay a couple of days later, mm. but yeah, I'll, I'll roll my ankle frequently if I'm not wearing a brace. I've maybe had maybe one or two. He must ankles. have healed well from it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Because I feel like I've what... rolled my ankle a million times, but it usually just pops right back up. Oh, yeah. And I have no pain. Yeah. Yeah, every now and then you get the one where you start to turn it and there's no pain, and you're like, oh, right. thank God. Uh, right. But, yeah, I, I guess, as they say with low ankles, you do it once. If, if it doesn't, you know, if you tear through those ligaments and they don't get reattached, or if you fully tear it, 
it's just you're you're gonna do it a lot in the future. It's mm. one of those things that once it's gone, if it doesn't get healed properly, and, and most people don't go like have a surgery to reattach those little ligaments because they're not necessary for most people. Yeah, we've got updates on two other injured uh, members of the Bengals mm. too: John Ross and linebackers coach Tem Lakabu. Right. Take it away. John Ross. Yeah, I will. John Ross, it was a tight hamstring. He reported it to the team the morning of the practice. Zach Taylor had a quote that said, uh, our full speed guys, if they're not feeling like a million bucks, we're going to sit them down and and give them that rest. So uh, one part of me knowing the history of how the coaches, the previous coaches felt about John Ross, uh, they felt he was a little soft at times and and wouldn't um, want to play through things. At the same time, I look at it like John Ross is such an injury risk that maybe we shouldn't push him on day one of camp if it's a tight hamstring, right? So something to look look at, monitor, but it sounds like it's very small and they're just being uh, safe with that. And Tim Lakabu was riding around on a motorized scooter coaching the linebackers, which isn't that perfect that the linebacker unit that's been decimated by injuries and really played like they've been playing on a scooter for how many years now? Their linebacker coach tore his patella tendon playing basketball, so he'll be on that thing for a little bit. Yeah, sounds like two months for Tem Lukabu on the scooter. Uh, I wonder if the field in Dayton had anything to do with them That's keeping right. John Ross out too. There was a report that came out, I think it was Albert Breer, I think it was it SI, was. that said the Bengals were originally going to have a of $440,000 field built for this event by the NFL in Dayton on the site of the old Dayton Triangles field or something like that. Or maybe it's just going to be commemorative. I don't remember the specifics, but a local Native American group raised concerns that there was a burial ground where they were proposing to build the site. So the Bengals instead were suggested to go play at the University of Dayton, which they ended up doing, but they did have concerns over the quality of the field and I don't think this has anything to do with A.J. Green's injury. That was a contact injury, for, for, for as far as we know anyway. But you did uh, see players slipping a lot. But you saw players slipping. Tyler Boyd, we heard, slipped. We saw him slip once, and we heard that he yep. slipped at least one other time as well. I, there was another video that showed him slipping. Mm-hmm. On just a, It was an option route from the slot. Actually, I've been reading a lot about the uh, drop-back passing game. You know, if you followed my work on The Athletic, I did the running game, the play-action game. Now I'm doing the drop-back passing game. So I'm kind of putting some of their plays together as I'm um, looking at the Rams' previous offense the last two years. So uh, knowing what route it was right there, he gets kind of an option route out of the slot versus man coverage, and he slipped coming out of it. Ball comes to him, and he, you can see his frustration as he just kind of lets his ball fall. There were a couple times when you could see that he was – visibly frustrated with the field. The first one you can see on NFL Network, if you were paying attention, they're doing two-sided passing drills, quarterbacks on both sides of the field, wide receivers running routes on both sides of the field. They're running posts, and you can see Dalton on the far side of the field kind of take a hitch and then throw it later. You can see Tyler Boyd catch it and kind of walk his way to the receiver Mm -hmm. group on the other side. Uh, So there were definitely some issues with the field yesterday. Today, back in Cincinnati, practicing... At 3 o'clock Eastern time, the time of recording, this is, we're at 1240 Eastern right now, so we'll get some updates to you in the second segment of the podcast. We're going to take a break. For you, you'll come back to that update. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals podcast. This is Jake. Joe is at work. I am watching the tweets come in about training camp day two. And in the middle of all of that, of course, we got an update on A.J. Green from ESPN's Adam Schefter. He says that A.J. Green, the MRI, has revealed has a severe sprain of his ankle with torn ligaments involved. He is looking at a six to eight week timeline initially. And other reports, Tom Pellicero from NFL.com, among them say that Green is going to seek a second opinion to find out if he needs surgery or if he can avoid surgery. Now, I am speculating here, but I would imagine that surgery could potentially extend that timeline, that six to eight week timeline. But if it doesn't, if it is just six to eight weeks, we are exactly six weeks today away from week one in Seattle. Eight weeks will put them in week three. So we'll see where in that range he falls. Andy Dalton, among others, have said that A.J. Green is a fast healer. I think it was Dave Lapham who also mentioned that yesterday in the training camp wrap-up with Dan Horde over at Bengals.com. So we will be keeping track of this. We have a timeline now. We have confirmation that there are torn ligaments. We don't know still whether it's a high or low ankle sprain. There's some speculation both ways on that. A sprain, to be clear, can be torn ligaments. It most frequently is torn ligaments, and the degree of the sprain tells you how badly the ligaments are damaged. AJ Green, unlucky in this case, is on the worst side of the timeline for a low ankle sprain. And if it is a high ankle sprain, he's right in the middle of the recovery timeline, uh, which is four to ten weeks. The, the low ankle sprain is two to eight weeks, and this is on the high end there. So we'll find out probably in the coming days if surgery is required. But for now, we can expect A.J. Green to not be ready for week one in Seattle, which is obviously a huge blow on the road out there in a tough environment to be missing your best player on offense. And that puts the burden then on Tyler Eifert to stay healthy, on Joe Mixon, on Tyler Boyd. And John Ross, if he can get back and be healthy, because he also wasn't practicing today. So speaking of today, then, John Ross, amongst a few that are missing practice, on the rehab field, according to Jay Morrison, were Clark Harris, Noah Dawkins, the undrafted free agent linebacker, Rodney Anderson, the rookie running back, Darquez Denard, and Alex Redmond. Drake Kirkpatrick, however, was back at practice. Darius Phillips came off the PUP and was said to get some more looks in the return game as Alex Erickson is getting more reps with the wide receivers as A.J. Green is out. Of course, with John Ross also out, I asked Jeremy Rauch, and sorry if I'm getting your name wrong there, Jeremy, for who was going to be the other two, three receivers out there with Tyler Boyd running with the ones. It sounds like it was a rotation all of... Uh, Cody Core, Auden Tate, Alex Erickson, Josh Malone were all mixing in with the ones in seven on sevens and eleven on elevens. I posted one picture of Josh Malone getting behind 
William Jackson on a deep ball. Looked like that was going to be a completion, and that is your reminder that uh, Josh Malone is very fast and has promise, and we've talked about him a little bit on the podcast and the fact that he's still young, had an early breakout age. He has a chance to be very, very good. In addition to that, we saw it looked like all the tight ends were getting work, according to Jeremy Rauch. Uh, Both tight ends, Eifert and the rookie from Washington, Drew Sample, were lining up next to each other on a few plays in 12 personnel. And in a few clips that we were sent by a frequent mailbag participant, Jordan Grigsby, it looked like CJ Uzama was getting a lot of the inline reps with 11 personnel, meaning three wide receivers on the field. As I'm recording this now, it is about 4.15 Eastern time. It sounds like seventh round pick Jordan Brown has his shoes off and is being looked at by trainers on a golf cart. So more bad injury news coming out of Cincinnati today. A few other updates to get to before I wrap up my thoughts on the A.J. Green situation. Uh, The same number ones with the offensive line with Billy Price out. John Jerry still getting snaps at left guard with the ones. Trey Hopkins at center. And I think this is starting to be a little bit more of a sign that John Jerry is going to get the first shot, contrary to what we heard previously after minicamp. And that is likely to do with familiarity from the coach and John Jerry from their time together in Miami. John Jerry knows all of Coach Turner's techniques. He knows what Coach Turner wants to get out of his linemen, and he fits the mold of being a massive human being. So it sounds like John Jerry will get the first chance, and this is... A little bit to our dismay, I think we all wanted to see Christian Westerman getting a chance to prove that he could start. But at this point, it sounds like it's just going to come down to the games. And if John Jerry doesn't outperform Westerman in the games, then I think we can really ask the questions. A few other notes from Twitter from people that are at camp today. Bengals Anon said that Auden Tate was winning some 1v1s and looked pretty good getting open, winning in his opportunities in some uh, receiver position drills early in the day. And Tony Kovitz again with a report on a player that I've heard nothing about and didn't know was on the Bengals until he mentioned him. And that's undrafted free agent receiver Damian Willis was getting open consistently, making big catches, it sounds like. So that's promising. He also said that Dre Kirkpatrick had a crazy interception that led to a pick six. So Dre, it sounds like, is having a pretty good camp. Injury aside... Also noteworthy talking about Drake Kirkpatrick, he was back at practice today after he banged up his shoulder when he and A.J. Green went down. Now, to summarize my thoughts on A.J. Green at this point, the initial reaction from Twitter is a lot. It's overwhelming. Many people are saying, oh, the Bengals can now tank for Tua as if A.J. Green is going to be out for the season. The report that we have available to us right now is that A.J. Green is out for six to eight weeks. That means he's missing one to three weeks of the regular season. He's missing training camp, which is never ideal, but a player of Green's caliber, you expect to come back and be okay. That aside, he is still seeking a second opinion, and we need to verify that that is going to, in fact, be the timeline. If Green is back for week one, that means that expectations have been wildly exceeded, and the team is currently going to have to go forward as if that's not going to be the case. That being said... The extension waters, as it were, must be very muddy for the Bengals and Green at this point. They were excited to have him back healthy. Now that he's hurt again, it'd be very hard for the Bengals, I imagine, to sign Green to an extension before the season starts, not knowing 
what exactly is going to be required. I'm sure they'll get all the medical information that they could require and proceed as they see best. And that's all they can really do at this point. That's all we can really do as fans as well. And that's hope that AJ Green is out for truly six to eight weeks. It sounds like it might be a high ankle sprain. There are a few doctors out there who on Twitter have said it looks like a high ankle sprain from the video that's available. I'm still not necessarily convinced. However, it is worth clarifying an ankle sprain is a torn ligament. The report today confirms what we heard yesterday, that it was an ankle sprain. We haven't had confirmation that it's a low or high ankle sprain, just that it's a severe ankle sprain with torn ligaments that may require surgery to repair. This was the probably the worst case outcome from the reports we had yesterday, the, the severity that has been reported today. But I'm going to do my best to stay optimistic and wait for the further reports to come in. That's going to do it for segment two of the Lockdown Bengals podcast today. We'll be back after a quick break to get back into our countdown to kickoff with a few more players, including Malik Jefferson and a few undrafted rookies on the Bengals. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you, your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic bowl cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm personal price plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. And we're back with the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Jake and Joe here. This is segment three as Jake handled segment two today. But uh, we're going to continue our series of Countdown to Kickoff. And it's approaching pretty quickly. We're behind again, but that's okay because I think it gives us the opportunity to talk about two or three, sometimes even four players, which uh, I – Jake and I both uh, agree we like to get into these relative unknowns. we got a couple of those today. And one that shouldn't be an unknown, which is going to start our, our um, kickoff segment today, number 45, he was a third-round pick for the Bengals, playing linebacker out of Texas, Malik Jefferson, only had 11 snaps as a rookie. Um, he's somebody with some high upside that I think we all are very hopeful that he can come out of nowhere, even though it's not nowhere, but to come back from 11 snap rookie year. And he's really not even talked about at this point. If he can do anything, whether that's a role player or hopefully carve out a starting job, uh, would be a huge boost to the, the athleticism and speed of this defense. And it was something that last year we were asking the same questions of Malik Jefferson that we're asking right now mm-hmm. is he's got the raw athleticism. He had the production in college Can he learn the NFL game and get onto the field? He was born in 1995, so he's going to be 24 this season. Still a relatively young guy. Has a couple of years to figure it out. But if he can't start getting it this year, if he can't get onto the field this year as one of the first linebackers off the bench, then you really question if he's ever going to get it. Right. And he was a highly recruited 
defender out of high school. Uh, and the concern with him always was his mental capabilities. And he's not a dumb guy. If, if you hear him talk and you hear him speak, and like anyone who's ever worked with him says, no, no, he's very smart. It's just, you know, some guys are natural football players. You put them on the field to figure out a way to be successful no matter what their athletic limitations are. Uh, Jefferson is an athletic freak, but always seems a, a step behind, a step slow, maybe indecisive at times. And when you watch him at Texas, they like – parsed down his responsibilities down to nothing. He was basically a spy middle linebacker for them where he would be almost a fourth defensive lineman. He He's spying the quarterback, he's blitzing, or he's dropping into a short zone or attacking the run. He really wasn't asked to go into coverage, go out into space, handle a guy man-to-man. Man man. And because of it, uh, I think his, his playbook was so limited that when he, he was going to jump to the NFL – it was going to take him time. I think this was known for everyone. There's a reason why a guy of his pedigree didn't go in round one. He goes in the round three, late round three. And it's because people are concerned with if he'll ever be anything more than just a uh, a supreme athlete running around with his head cut off out there. And so I hope, I still hope, and, and when you look at it, the, the interesting thing to me is if knowing that and knowing that is his profile, you look at his PFF grades from preseason last year, and they were fantastic. And it's because you got to think the the playbook is is as vanilla as possible, so he doesn't have to worry about a, lo- a lot of different checks and and, and mistakes and, um, and and variation to the offense or the defense of what they what they have to adjust to on the fly. He's just running out there playing football, and he looks like one of their best linebackers. Judging on that, you know what I like about his preseason grades is that week three, week four, when he has a combined sixty coverage snaps, yep. grading out right around. 80 76 and 84 in those two games in coverage right and it looks like it this is like a the progression of this from a 43 week one to 77 77 to 88 overall grades i mean that's that's exactly what you want to see for a rookie yeah and you hope that he takes that step in year two he's got a new coaching staff on him so like with all these young guys he's starting over there's not a lot of tape on malik jefferson out there they've got the preseason tape for sure but there's not a whole lot of film for these guys to come in and review and say, this is what we have in Malik Jefferson. Right. And we talked about a lot. Cause we, this is, this is the last linebacker, well, last known linebacker on the roster. Uh, and he allowed in, in preseason last year, 12 targets in his direction. He allowed eight receptions. So that's a 66.7%. That's actually pretty good amongst the, the linebackers on the Bengals team. You look at the quarterback rating also is a 79, which we said, and a 100 is about what you should expect at linebacker. So he's an 80. So looking at it, it's like that potentially could be a really good cover linebacker knowing his speed. And I know it's preseason production, but it's all we have. We could talk about the 11 snaps where they asked him to do nothing at all versus basically the Saints. Or we can look at the preseason and it's what you have to judge him this year. And really the only time we may see him this year is 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 uh, is in preseason again. He might, it might be the case. I, I want right. to see Malik Jefferson be the first linebacker off the bench this year. Oh, me too. Or, or or Jermaine Pratt. One right, I was going to say, right, which whatever way, whoever doesn't start out of Evans, Pratt, and Jefferson, I don't want Evans to be the first guy off, even though I feel like he would if he's not the starter, because I feel like he can play more than one position. I want it to be Jefferson and Pratt that are the guys they're, they're dipping into as soon as an injury happens. From the first week, first day, I should say, of training camp, we do know that Jordan Evans was the third linebacker. Right. So right now it's Jordan Evans. And this is when they have three linebackers on the field. We'll have to see how that progresses as the preseason goes. These guys are still young. There's still a chance for Malik Jefferson and Jermaine Pratt to put it together and be starters. But they were third-round picks for a reason. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll, we'll just have to kind of follow their careers. Malik Jefferson has all the tools. Like Joe said, he was considered by many to be the top linebacker prospect when he was coming out of high school. Went to Texas, uh, was a semifinalist for the Buckus Award. All sorts of reasons to believe he can succeed at the NFL level. Just has to put it all together. Yeah, um, Draft Coburn on Twitter, Jim Metrics. Um, he really loved Malik Jefferson coming out in, term, in terms of solo tackle market share, explosion, speed scores. He ended up, I want to say, ranked number two linebacker for him last year. And that, you know, from an analytics side, I really like that. So getting him in the third round still is a good roll of the dice, or at least a good chance to take. It just, um, so far, uh, after year one, we don't have anything to really uh, back that up and say it was a good decision yet. Uh, speaking of Albert Breer, we mentioned his report earlier about the field. He said that the Bengals are very bullish on the future of Sam Hubbard. They, oh, really? they really think that he can go be a every-down good starter at defensive end. And if that turns out to be the case, and Malik Jefferson ever puts it together, that second day of last year's draft, Jesse Bates, Sam Hubbard, Malik right. Jefferson, that could turn mm-hmm. out to be a very foundational piece. That's a very big if. Right. That could it could be a really good draft class. And if you get Billy Price to an average mm-hmm. starting center mm-hmm. or better, of course, because he's a first rounder. But uh if you get him to that point and you nail those first four picks, great. Even if it's not Jefferson and, and Hubbard can be the guy that plays seven hundred snaps or so for them, that's a lot of impact you're getting from that draft class already. I agree. Let's move on to number forty four, Noah Dawkins. We won't have a lot on Noah Dawkins. He was the linebacker from the Citadel. He didn't make it into PFF's draft guide this year. He's an undrafted free agent. But he was, I believe, a captain at Citadel. Noah Dawkins, huh? Six one, two thirty five, so on the smaller side again. There there seems to be a formula with these undrafted linebackers they brought in. Mm-hmm. And I'll correct right away that he wasn't a captain. He played four years at the Citadel. And Joe, you said he's on the non-football injury list? He is. uh, Three players were placed on it before camp started. was Billy Price, Clark Harris, and Noah Dawkins. And this is something that we should have probably mentioned in the open. We talked yesterday about wondering where Darquez Denard is. He's on the PUP. Oh, yes. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, they did the PUP like four days ago, right? Yeah. So it was kind of on our last day recording. We really didn't get to touch on it too much. So just going to throw in the Darquez Denard note in the Noah Dawkins section of the podcast that I'm sure everyone is listening to. One other thing we didn't on, on the notes or the, the news, the Bengals signed former Cardinals defensive end Emmanuel Turner. And we said this before when we were looking at uh, position by position. We said they really need to sign a defensive end because, you know, you're getting preseason games coming up. They don't really don't have any undrafted guys or anything to take those snaps. It's going to be Carl Lawson running out there in the fourth quarter of preseason. So they did that. They waved running back Darren Hall, who was claimed by the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. All facts. I don't have very much on Noah Dawkins. I have nothing on Noah Dawkins. I actually just typed his name into Twitter to see if anything would come up. Maybe somebody liked him pre-draft or had anything for him. Um, there is nothing going on for Noah Dawkins out here. Sounds like he got hurt at his pro day. He uh, tweaked his hamstring in the 40s, so he didn't get to finish that. He was very disappointed. Probably contributed to him going undrafted. Like Joe said, it's, six foot two twenty six, very undersized. And it he was, says was he, he a ran, tryout player. Ah, uh, 
I don't know that, but it says he ran a four four one though. Oh, is that... despite tweaking his hamstring, he ran a four four one. Right. Wow. Which is fast. Very fast. 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 So that yeah. should be interesting to see during um, you know preseason if we can get him out there or or even on special teams. He had reportedly run a four three seven the week before Citadel's pro day. Mm-hmm. So he, yeah, I think he was a tryout player. He was invited to the Seattle minicamp and the Bengals minicamp, and he signed on in Cincinnati as an undrafted free agent. He's going to be a guy that, like Joe said, has to fight for special team snaps and is going to be a a practice squad candidate, Uh, one of many undrafted free agents at the position. Every now and then, one of these guys sticks, and we'll see if it's Noah Dawkins this year. And the last player we'll talk about today, moving on, is Tyree Cannell, the safety from Michigan. He was a four-star recruit, but the only scouting report I can find on him is from Lance Zerline at NFL.com that had him projected as a seventh-rounder or priority free agent, which is, is exactly where he ended up. He was in the PFF draft guide, so we've got some data there on his college grading. He graded out better in run defense than any other part of his game. And as Lance Zerline points out, he has short arms, which gave him problems with challenging for the football. And that reflects in his PFF coverage grades, uh, never really doing better than a 66 in that area. But he does have good good athleticism. He runs fast. So there is a chance that he can put it together, but he does have some challenges. Yeah, for sure. And I'm watching a, uh, I type his name in the search what, what can come up on Twitter. Uh, he was played in the East-West Shrine game, recovered a fumble, and, and the return is really nice, actually. He uh, was a really good strip, too, but he makes like three or four guys miss at about the 30-yard line to the 20-yard line and takes it to the one before getting knocked out. And this is an all-star game. You can tell he looks a little bit stronger and faster than the rest of the guys. And big school, big name recruit, you kind of would expect some of that. You'd expect him to be ready to come into the NFL. And he does have some strong parts to his game. He was a good tackler mm-hmm. in college. He didn't miss tackles very often. He's a good run defender from the safety position. Really good run defense grades as a guy that played kind of all over the field, lined up deep, lined up over the slot. And then also, as Lance Erline indicates, played with urgency in the run game, but as he got more snaps and coverage as his college career went on, he was exposed a little bit. He did come out after three years of uh, three years of games. He only really started for two years at Michigan. Mm. He was a team captain, though, also. So uh, another one of those guys that you know you bring in and hope to have uh, an impact, whether that's on the end of the roster or just you know to fill out the locker room. Uh, I have something here, too. Versus Cincinnati, he was targeted six times in coverage. This is in college, obviously, Cincinnati Bearcats, allowing just two receptions for 25 yards and also had a pick six that game. So if you remember his name watching the Bearcats, it's probably because of that. Must have been in 2017. Yes, it was. September of 2017. He had no interceptions his last year at Michigan in 2018. Had a bit of a better coverage grade in 2017, probably because of that interception. Got his hands on more balls, and uh, we'll see what kind of player he's in the NFL. I think it's another one, like Joe said, rounding out the roster. I wouldn't necessarily have the highest of hopes for Tyree Cannell, but you always kind of pull for the best-case scenario, the best-case outcome. Yeah, those undrafted back-of-the-roster uh, safeties 
tend to make the roster or, or can play a lot on special teams. So it wouldn't be a surprise if he did. Um, actually, when uh, the mic'd up Lou Anarumo, Zach Taylor pieces that have been going around, and you can find them on YouTube mostly, um, they were praising Brandon Wilson, another safety who we'll get to, for how fast he was. And uh, it seemed like he stood out a lot. So maybe those four safeties are rounded out already, and this maybe Canel's uh, uh, destined for the practice squad. I think it's going to be tough to crack the top four safeties this year. I think they I like think so Brandon too. Wilson. They like Clayton Fedulum, obviously. And then Sean Williams, Jesse Bates are, are shoe-ins. And then the back end of that is Tyree Cannell, Trayvon Henderson, and Demetrius Cox. Which seems like they made like Cox and Henderson also. Mm-hmm. Those are guys they've, they've held on to. Um, and I was going to say they probably keep six corners, so there's not enough room for five safeties this year. Speaking of corners, we're getting off Tyree Cannell here. We're probably done with our countdown. He's our last guy we're going to cover today. It's 42 days until kickoff, in case you're curious. So we're a little bit behind, but that's okay. Uh, it was reported that when Dre went out, Kavari Russell was the guy that came in and took his snaps. So he was de facto there because Denard is, is on the PUP. So, yeah, that makes sense. Then BW Webb stayed inside, mm-hmm. and Russell was the outside guy there. Yeah, so if you have the scenario where Denard and Drake or Patrick are hurt, at least in the early running here, Kavari Russell is your outside corner. And of note also then, uh, it does appear the Bengals, at least day one, were playing left and right side with their corners, or else you would think William Jackson would have been on A.J. Green out on that mm-hmm. deep shot. And it could also mean Devontae Harris is the backup to William Jackson on the right side, and Kavari Russell is the backup to um, Kirkpatrick on the left side. And... I could say maybe Darius Phillips is the backup nickel guy, but we not confirmed just what I expect based on where they played a lot last year. Unless it's Tony McRae. Tony sure. McRae could be the first guy. It's hard to say. They're all in the same bucket. Anyway, that'll do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Tomorrow, Joe and I still have conflicting work schedules, so we are going to record two separate segments and patch them together, and that's what we're going to get tomorrow. On Tuesday, however... We will have on a special guest from The Ringer, Danny Kelly. And Danny Kelly is my man. Met him down at the Senior Bowl. Really cool guy. Awesome person. Easy to talk to. And uh, hopefully you guys will be able to hear that and feel that through the podcast. I also met Danny Kelly when I lived in Seattle because he also lives in Seattle. At the time, he was running the Seahawks SB Nation blog, That's I believe. That's right. Uh, and... Seagulls? Well, no, what is it? What is the name of that blog? Oh man, it slipped my tongue. I but that's where I first heard of him, and and I was reading Seahawks um, articles back when he was with them, and you know because he was so good. I'm like, this applies to a lot of football fans, and I hope I hope that happens more often. I guess what's really good writers. I fa- I remembered it's field goals. Field goals. That's right. Yeah, Danny Kelly did amazing film work and yeah. and scheme stuff. You could go back and read it now. It's still worth reading. His Breakdown of the Seahawks cover three that has been yeah. very in vogue in the NFL since then. You, you know what I always excellent. go back to is the Leo and in, in definitions for the over over under fronts. He did great on those, yeah. and they're they, they're still applicable almost ten years later. It feels like no, come on, it's got to be when the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl. I was living in Seattle. That was like four years ago. Okay, then sorry, five, four, three, two years ago. I was in Seattle watching the game with Seattle fans when they threw the slant instead of handing it to Marshawn Lynch on the two yards. No, line. I'm not thinking of that game. I oh, think it was the thinking one of they won. Okay. okay. The one they won against the Broncos. Was it two I, years before that? I was not living in Seattle for that one. 
Okay. Seattle sounds fun, though. It is fun. It's a cool place. Yeah. Anyway, that will do it for us today here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We have an exciting week coming up with training camp and Danny Kelly. Go find the podcast on the Himalaya Podcast app, on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Go look us up. And until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.